We're under three weeks until BYU heads to Big 12 Media Days. I submitted my media poll yesterday. What did I do with it? We'll talk about that. We're also answering your questions on a Thursday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, a resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen to the day. appreciate you guys being a part of the show every single day and being what we call everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU, so thank you for taking the time to download and or watch the show where, however you're consuming it, honestly. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, our friends over at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege and they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. Big 12 Meaty Days is, I think, 17-ish days away. It's coming pretty quick. I don't remember how many days it is, but I will be headed down to Dallas, Texas, more appropriately, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, Arlington to be exact, at AT&T Stadium for the festivities. Cannot wait to get down there and obviously uh, be enjoying some time associating with new members of the Big 12 and all that stuff, but I had my opportunity to submit my meeting Media poll, what I think is going to happen this season for the Big 12, their preseason poll, as well as offensive, defensive player of the year, uh, newcomer of the year, as well as the uh, preseason all-conference team. And uh, that's the thing about this is I absolutely love it. Some of you may consider me to be a, a super fan who does a podcast, but in all reality, folks, I'm a media member. I'm lucky enough that the Big 12 uh, lets me vote on such things. It's something that I bring to the table every day with this podcast. Uh, I'm not just some Joe Blow, and I don't, I don't want to be puffing my chest out, but it's, it's, it means a lot to me to be able to vote on stuff like this. So uh, without further ado, let's get to it. I, I, I pulled the screenshots of it. I don't know if I'm necessarily supposed to reveal this, but I don't care. I'm going to let you guys know about it right here on Locked On Cougars. You're the first to see this. This is my Big 12 Media Preseason Conference football poll. This is legitimately the, the sheet I filled out and submitted to the Big 12 Conference. So I think that Texas is the favorite going into the season. I've got no problem thinking that. I, I think Texas has got all the pieces to make a run at a Big 12 title and obviously they'll be exiting for the SEC after this season, but I, I think they've got all the pieces in place and they should be the odds-on favorite coming in. Now, the defending champions of the Big 12, yes, Kansas State is number two for me. They beat TCU in the Big 12 title game last year. I think they deserve some respect. Will Howard's a fantastic quarterback. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think Kansas State is poised to do some big things this year. I have Oklahoma at number three. Not all that surprising, I don't think. I think Oklahoma is going to be a very good team, and they've got plenty of talent. We'll see how well they rebound after a lackluster year last year. Texas Tech is the dark horse out there, and as such, I kind of moved into that four spot. Uh, not out of the realm of possibility they could leap to the top if everything bounces their way, but also at the same time, they may not be just overall favorites uh, for some of these other teams. But So I've got the Red Raiders there. Then you check in. I've got Baylor, TCU, UCF, Oklahoma State uh, sitting at the five through eight spots. Uh, I thought that TCU, after their run to the national title last year, was obviously a big, big deal for them. And they obviously, I think, deserve a measure of respect. But they lost a lot of... pieces 
on offense. So I felt like, you know what, I probably need to drop them a little bit. Baylor, I think, is set for a resurgent year. I think that they're going to obviously go out and try and impress some folks. I think that Jeff Grimes has got his work cut out for him as an offensive coordinator to show that Blake Shapin, the quarterback that he kind of handpicked, can truly be that guy uh, for the Baylor Bears, and we'll see what happens. And then uh, UCF, I think they are the the best of the newcomers coming into the conference. I do think they finish in the top half, and we'll see how it all shakes out. That's the biggest thing about this is I think that it's going to be uh, an interesting race all this all the same because I think the biggest uh, question about all of this is how much these different programs are going to beat up on each other this year. The the Big 12 very much could be a, 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 a league that cannibalizes itself in a, in a way. Now, on the back half of this uh, of the poll here, as you'll see if you're watching this on YouTube, I've got Oklahoma State sitting at number 8. So, yeah, let's recap real quick. Baylor 5, TCU 6, UCF 7, uh, and then uh, Oklahoma State at number 8. Uh, I think when the chips are down, Mike Gundy has proven time and time again that he can uh, get things figured out pretty quickly and get his team playing. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to get them to the top of the heap in the Big 12. I think they'll be fairly competitive. Kansas was the kind of the darling of the first half of last season, but then faltered down the stretch. I do think they are a very good team uh, with good pieces. It may not be fully, uh, I guess, baked in a way to use that analogy when it comes to Kansas, but they're on their way. Lance Leipold does a great job as their head coach, and that's where I have BYU checking in at number 10. Yes, I think BYU is in the bottom half of the conference this year, but that does not mean that BYU can't go bowl uh, to go to a bowl game this year. I think the BYU seeing the 10 spot is actually a measure of respect because I've got them in front of Iowa State. I've got them in front of West Virginia and then also Houston and Cincinnati. So I look at it as I give BYU, I think, right where I think they should be sitting, where they're not necessarily going to be have the weight of expectations on their shoulders, but at the same time, they have an opportunity to go out and surprise some folks. So behind BYU, you've got Iowa State at number 11, Houston at number 12, West Virginia, who I think Neil Brown is a dead man walking if he doesn't get things turned around very quickly, and then Cincinnati with Scott Satterfield taking over with just the overall exodus of talent and coaches out of Cincinnati over the past couple of years. I have a hard time thinking that Cincinnati is not going to be the doormat this year, but here's the thing about that. Cincinnati uh, very well could end up surprising folks and jumping up into the middle of the conference. They've got a very, very talented defensive line, so We'll see what happens, but that's how I lay it out. And so I want your guys' feedback on this. I'd love nothing more than for you guys to comment on this, uh, whether it's in the YouTube comments, drop us a note on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, no matter which uh, social media platform you, you prefer, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of where I have BYU placed, what, where you think I have uh, teams too high or too low in this media poll, and uh, we'll, we'll debate it. I'd love nothing more than for you guys' feedback on this. Now, for the other part of it, to this other graphic here is this is my all conference uh, uh, preseason all Big Twelve conference team and if like I said if you're watching this on YouTube you're seeing it, it's on the screen here uh, but I, I'm not necessarily going to run on every single name I'll I will highlight the three players I listed here for BYU uh, first off on offense they listed a fullback position so you know what let's give Mason Wake let's give Air Wake some love so I put Mason Wake in there. I don't necessarily think that he gets it. Uh, there's a, a as Ben Sinnott, I think, from Kansas State, probably ends up as that fullback in that spot. But I said, you know what? Uh, I don't necessarily have a true fullback that I'm completely uh, in love with looking at the rosters from the Big 12, so I put Mason Wake in there. I also think Kingsley Suomatia is a fantastic offensive lineman, and I think his performance this year should garner him first-team consideration. So I put him as, as a first-team honoree on the offensive line. And then the other Cougar I listed here is at punter, Ryan 
Rico. I think Rico is going to absolutely unleash havoc with his leg this year in the Big 12 Conference, and I think that he has a very, very good shot of being the Big 12 punter of the year. Now, it's obviously got to have the requisite amount of kicks and give him the opportunity to do so, but we'll see what happens. Now, you're probably wondering, Jake, why didn't you put Aiden Robbins as a first-string running back? I don't know. I just looked at it. I think this could be the year the running back in the Big 12. I put Will Howard as my quarterback of the year. Guys like Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel, probably will, either one of those guys will probably ultimately win uh, that spot in the preseason poll. But I put Will Howard because I think he's a fantastic quarterback for Kansas State. But then at running back, I put Devin Neal from Kansas and C.J. Donaldson from West Virginia. Uh, there probably could have been five or six running backs, including Aiden Robbins, who I think have a shout for that first team spot at running back. I really think this year, the running games in the Big 12 could uh, really uh, impress folks out there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, if you guys want to look at this more, if you're not watching it on YouTube, I'll put these on social media as well. I'll probably put them on the Locked On Cougars uh, Twitter feed, etc. So you guys uh, can have your thoughts on this. But I did uh, give some, a measure of respect to Aiden Robbins, but I did, uh, as I put there at the bottom of this, ask for me for the offensive and defensive players of the year as well as newcomer of the year. I put Devin Neal, who I think is going to have a monster season for Kansas at running back as my Offensive Player of the Year for the preseason. Defensive Player of the Year is Jalen Ford, a standout linebacker for Texas. I think he's poised to do huge things for the Longhorns this year. But then Newcomer of the Year, uh, because I didn't put Aiden Robbins as a first-string running back, I figured I'd I'd give Aiden the nod there as the Newcomer of the Year because he's a new guy coming into the conference. He's got a lot of steam coming behind him with a 1,000-yard season at UNLV. Can he follow that up this year uh, for BYU and have another 1,000-yard season? If he does, I truly believe he will get a lot of attention obviously uh, from people inside and outside the conference but I do think that he is capable of truthfully becoming the newcomer of the year but there's a number of other guys who could have had that nod so uh, similar to what I did with the media poll I'd love your guys' feedback on this drop us a comment uh, send us a DM on Twitter whatever you want to do however you want to weigh in with it love nothing more than for you guys to have your voice heard and uh, appreciate guys all of you uh, really for weighing in on this. All right, we will flip over now and let you guys control the rest of today's show. It is time for the mailbag on today's podcast. Uh, your guys' questions got a bevy of them. We'll dig into as many of them as we have in the time remaining on today's show. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, simply put, are going to make you look good, my friends. They have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts are the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. The best part is they fit uh, way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton. They fix that issue by inventing what they call cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice that movement. They also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I've got two pairs of my own and I absolutely swear by them. They're absolutely awesome. I know you want to see a picture of those outside view. I will get that for you at some point. Drop me a DM or send me an email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com and uh, we'll, we'll get you a glamour shot of me and my bird dogs. But Nonetheless, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order, my friends. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for that free Yeti style tumbler. Courtesy of our friends at Bet at Bird Dogs, excuse me. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars. I want to encourage you guys, if you're uh, watching this on Thursday, do not miss the Locked On NBA Draft live show this t- uh, tonight, actually. Pick-by-pick analysis from our stable of local NBA hosts, national reaction from the NBA Big Board hosts, and live check-ins from inside the NBA Draft in Brooklyn. That's Locked On NBA Draft live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 5.30 Mountain Time. For those of you out here in the Mountain Time Zone, on the Locked On NBA YouTube page. All right, it is your guys' time to shine on the podcast. We'll get this question right out of the way uh, off the top because it relates to bird dogs our good friend brian a 49er coog do you wear pants to church now uh if any of you have been on twitter over the past uh 24 to 48 hours there was an absolute uh shyster i thought of a, of a social media feed saying that uh people should wear pants to church that's the only thing you should wear to, to church and obviously it caused all kinds of uproar but Brian, I can tell you, I do wear pants to church. Uh, my wife would look at me as cockeyed if I did not uh, wear my pants to church. But nonetheless, I do wear pants to church, even though I should maybe try wearing those bird dogs to church. That'd be kind of funny. My wife would absolutely go irate. But nonetheless, I do wear my pants to church. And I, I, frankly, I don't have, they call them a lava lava is what I called them growing up. I know they have other names out there. It was kind of the the impetus of that post saying that uh, Pacific Islanders shouldn't wear that stuff to church. You know what? Wear whatever you want to church. The, the, the simple fact of the matter is if you feel like you have to wear a certain thing to go to church in, well, you're focusing on the wrong thing of why you're going to church. I'll step off my soapbox. That's all I'm going to say on that. I got a whole other thing I could go off on that. But nonetheless, let's move along here. Our good friend Aggie fan Dan, the resident Aggie fan who loves listening to this podcast and watching it. Uh, big ups to you, Dan. Says, always enjoy your weekly mailbag. You look, your look back at the Arizona game in 2018 was cool because it was my first BYU road game outside of the state of Utah. My question this week is, what is the coolest road venue have been to for a BYU football game? And what about other BYU sports? Uh, the coolest road venues, I think it would be a tie for me uh, when it comes to football. I think going to Camp Randall and watching BYU in Wisconsin, even though BYU lost that game, uh, I think the one I went to at least, uh, I that's the one for me and as well as Tennessee. BYU did win that game at, in Rocky Top. Those are two of the top environments I've ever been in. I've been to Texas. I, I've been to some of these. Uh, I've been to Notre Dame. That was a phenomenal one. But I think the top two for me were uh, Tennessee and Wisconsin. Other BYU sports, frankly, I've not been to a ton of them outside side of uh, seeing them on campus in Provo. I have seen BYU basketball play in the conference tournament in uh, Las Vegas multiple times. Uh, I will ov- always vividly remember, I was down there at one point, and uh, there was a pair of Wyoming fans. This is back in the Mountain West era, obviously, with Wyoming being there. Uh, there was a pair of Wyoming fans. They must have imbibed, I, I would guess, something like 20 beers in like the, the time I was observing them. They were going in double fist and beers, bringing them back to and like trading off, going out and uh, buying the next round. They, they downed a lot of suds that day. So I guess that hopefully answers your question there. All right, next one. Greg Romano at 201 TDS says, in terms of the best first Big 12 season down to the worst uh, first Big 12 season, how would you rank the following BYU teams 1-5? to Obviously, the five he's got listed here. Men's and women's basketball, football, women's volleyball, and women's soccer. Now, I'm going to say the number one, I would say the BYU women's soccer has a great chance to compete, if not win, the Big 12 conferences. They're a phenomenal program. Jennifer Rockwood is absolutely just killing it out there. I think they're number one. Women's volleyball will be number two for me. I think what Coach Olmstead has done with the women's volleyball program will have them very competitive. Yes, it's an uptick in competition for all of these programs, but I think those two are very well suited to step in right away and be in the upper echelon of the Big 12 conference. Number three may 
surprise you here. I'm actually going to say football. I, I think football sits right behind women's volleyball and women's soccer as the number three. Then I go to women's basketball. We'll talk about another big pickup for BYU women's basketball here in just a little bit uh, with Delaney Gibb. And then men's basketball, I think, is going to have the worst introduction to the Big 12. That doesn't mean that they're not, so, they're not a bad program, but just how good the basketball programs are in the Big 12 Conference, Greg. I have a hard time seeing men's basketball really uh, outdoing out these other programs, but the opportunity remains there. Uh, so hopefully that answers your question, gets you an idea of that. By the way, keep an eye on that cross-country track and field. They're going to be elite in some of these sports right out of the gate in the Big 12. There's not much of an adjustment period, it feels like, to me for them. We'll see if that if that's true, but it'll be interesting. All right, next one. At M. Staples 5, our good friend Matt says, had an interesting debate at work. What would BYU's record have to be for Slovis to get a shot at the Heisman? He's an extreme long shot, would love your thoughts since this is the first time he is playing for a coordinator that he committed to. Uh, I know you're a, you're an everydayer, Matt, because you heard me mention that a time or three thousand. Uh, I think if you want a Keaton Slovis to win the Heisman. BYU's got to win every single game. They had to come out of nowhere, win the Big 12 Conference, and probably make the college football playoff, if not win the playoff, it feels like, in a way, for him to win it. We'll see. Uh, but I think it would absolutely have to be one of those miracle seasons. Like, truthfully, a miracle season for him to uh, get that run uh, to win the Heisman. But, hey, the opportunity remains uh, intact there until you hear otherwise. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what ultimately all shakes out. But, uh, I just have a hard time thinking that he's going to have enough there. All right, uh, next one coming in. John Solomon, with the NBA draft coming up and BYU joining the Big 12, how soon do you think that we will see an NBA draft pick coming out of BYU again? It's been super hard to watch the teams as of late. Will it be fixed sooner? Will this be the new status quo? That's a great question, John. Uh, I think with the opportunity to recruit at a higher level in the Big 12, I don't think that the, you necessarily can say that it's going to be that far off because I think BYU could bring in an NBA talent. Does that mean that, that NBA talent's going to help BYU win the Big 12? Probably not because for every one that BYU may bring in, Kansas is going to have five or six or uh, I don't know who else. Texas Tech, Houston. They're all going to have their fair share of elite talents. I don't think we're too far off from seeing an a, a, a NBA talent type player and honestly, I think a guy like a Colin Chandler could be that guy for BYU. Obviously, it will depend on how he returns from his mission and how quickly he kicks off the rust and if it's held him back at all with regards to serving a mission. But a guy like that could have an opportunity to do it. But I don't think the future is too far off, but it may take some time. Uh, so just to be frank about that. Next one, uh, Paul, a Korean King Paul. I know we have transfers in a new system, but I am scared for the D-line. Should I be? Well, I understand why you'd be scared for the D-line because it was not good last year. They struggled mightily, and their, the entire defense struggled mightily. I do think with the influx of talent, Jackson Cravens, Isaiah Banya, David Latu coming in from Snow College, uh, Stone Mulatala, if you've been watching our shorts on YouTube, we talked about Stone yesterday. There's a number of bodies coming in to bolster this defensive line, but what I saw, the glimpses I saw in spring ball, funny enough, this new defensive philosophy that Jay Hills implemented, I think actually better suits some of the defensive linemen that are holdovers from BYU's uh, last year squad than the old system did. I think guys like Tyler Batty could have a breakout year. I I think Atunai Samahe and Caden Hawes could show much better in this defense than they did in the old defense. Does that mean that it's going to be a better defensive line overall? 
TBD, but uh, I, I do think that there is some optimism that there's going to be a little bit of a rebound here for the defensive line because, frankly, there's not much be- not much worse they could do uh, if, if we're being honest about that. All right, uh, this is a similar question. Todd Christofferson at Todd on site says, there's a, is there a known defined base defense that BYU will run next year? Something variable or multiple, or will we probably see a lot of unique positions and ors on the, uh, excuse me, ors on the depth chart? Will we be skewed towards an extra hybrid safety type player often? Kind of nickel, kind of like Broncos 3-3. I think it's going to be more of a 4-2-5 if you want to talk about a hybrid defense, Todd. I think the base will that they would tell you if they if they're being just honest about it, it's a 4-3 defense. It's a four-down lineman and defense. Uh the three linebackers are interchangeable. You could go to, like you mentioned, a nickel back, a hybrid safety type as one of the linebackers. But I do think that the base defense is four down linemen and at least two linebackers, if not three, on the field. And obviously you'll fill in the defensive backs. Either it's four or five on the field at any given time. But the nice part about this is Jay Hill is not married to making sure that he has to do one thing and one thing only. If he feels like in a game he needs to drop to a three-man alignment, he thinks it's giving him the best chance to win, he will do that. But his base defense, what he's worked with his entire career, is having four down linemen along the defensive line. And uh, Does that mean that it's going to make BYU's woes on defense go away, go away magically, going back to also to Paul's question? No, it doesn't mean that right away. But I do think this defense is better suited to adjust in uh, certain circumstances than they were previously. Like I said, it's not necessarily going to be a perfect thing uh, right out of the gate. There's obviously going to be work to be done. Their work needs to be done on defense to continue to get better up at that. But I think that there is a huge huge chance uh, for BYU's defense to show lots better this year than they were last year, just because of the fact that they they, they really do like uh, the way that they, they got things implemented during spring ball. Does that mean that everything's hunky-dory and perfect and everybody's uh, going to sing Kumbaya at the end of the year and we're going to have a top 40 defense? No, that doesn't mean that we're going to see that, uh, speaking of BYU's defense. But I think we could see a rebound in, in a pretty significant way for BYU on defense. Alright, uh, we are man, you guys responded with so many questions. Let me get to a few more here. Uh, we'll probably hold over some of these till tomorrow. So uh, apologies if I did not get to yours today. We'll get to them in tomorrow's podcast. A little bit of a tease to keep you guys hooked and get you to come back tomorrow. All right, a couple of uh, quick fun ones here. A good friend, BYU and LV fan of Robin, running rep D. Humes. Do you feel sad that the Vegas Golden Knights made and won the Stanley Cup in the very first year in the Seattle Kraken didn't? Yes, I am jealous of you, our good friend, BYU and LV fan. I know uh, that your, your run with the Vegas Golden Knights was phenomenal. Congratulations on the Stanley Stanley Cup. Uh, I wait to see the Seattle Kraken hoisting the cup at some point in the relatively near future. We'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, Garrett here. How many MLB ballparks have you been to and which one is your favorite? All right. I have been to Angel Stadium, Dodgers Stadium. I have been to the Cincinnati Reds ballpark. And I think that's it. I have been to very few MLB ballparks, frankly. And it's a, it's, a, it's a sin. I understand that. But I will be checking off another one off my list. I will be headed down to the new Globe Life Park down there in Dallas. If you happen to be a BYU fan who's in the Dallas area, I am sticking around for an extra day after Big 12 Media Days to actually go uh, to a Texas Rangers game that Friday night. So if you happen to be in the Dallas area, or you will be in the Dallas area on, you know, July 14th, you'd love to take in a baseball game, hit me up. Love nothing more than to hang out with you guys, watch some baseball, and grub a little bit. I think it would be really fun to uh, have a good meetup if you guys happen to be in the area. Love to have you guys and be along for the ride. And the last question here that we'll get to today, like I said, some of these fun ones. Good friend, Royal Blue Saguaro. Uh, the Josh Glenn says, Coke products or Pepsi products? Uh, frankly, Josh, I, I don't drink a lot of soda, uh, just admittedly. It's just not something I've done for many, many years. But if it's going to be one of the two, I'm going to pick Coke products 
albeit with the caveat that Dr. Pepper is far and away my favorite soda. It's my beverage of choice if you're going to give me any of them uh, to pick from. But uh, Coke products across the board for me more, more float my boat. I, I guess that's – so I guess, yeah, answering questions straight up, it's Coke products. All right, uh, we have got so many questions. My goodness. All right, yeah, we will do a secondary uh, mailbag on tomorrow's show. i got a couple of notes uh, before we go on today's show that I need to touch on as well. We do need to look back at another game in BYU football history, and it's a big one, obviously – we talked a little bit about going to Camp Randall. Uh, this was a big one for BYU in 2018 when they made the trip to Camp Randall. Uh, and a bit surprising how everything played out. But we'll talk about that coming up here just momentarily on Locked On Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. Uh, if you have not entered already, we are giving away a signed Jaron Hall football. You heard that right. Got other BYU swag. I'd love nothing more than to give away to you guys. The way to enter is simple. Email us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com is the email address. Let us know you are subscribed with, I guess, just take a screenshot of whatever uh, podcast platform or YouTube that you're subscribed to. Uh, if you are not subscribed to YouTube uh, and you watch or listen to it on a different platform, please subscribe to it. That's the biggest thing. I want to push to get to maybe 5,000 subscribers on YouTube YouTube by the time the season begins. It's a lofty goal. We're kind of stuck in the middle of the 3,000 range, which is not bad. Trust me. You guys are awesome. There's over 3,000 of you who uh, have subscribed and thousands more of you watch it on a off and on basis. But if you would subscribe to YouTube in particular, I would appreciate that. But just show you're subscribed. Just show show that you are an everyday, an avid listener of the show and you'll be entered to win. The grand prize will be that Jaron Hall signed football, but I've got other BYU swag to give away. i got some BYU pullovers, got BYU socks. Who knows what I'll come up with? I, I got plenty of crap. I've been, I've got around my office and in my house. I'd love to part with and let you guys uh, rock a little bit around a uh, Cougar Nation. So, if you want to enter to win that, uh, drop us a note. Locked on BYU at gmail.com. All right. By the way, congratulations. I should say this right now, uh, real quick. BYU women's basketball continues to get the job done. Uh, Amber Whiting is an absolute ace recruiter. I had my questions about her coming in as an AAU coach and a high school coach and her ability to recruit at a high level. Well, she's proven me wrong. She is absolutely just cleaning up on the recruiting trail. She just brought in a 2024 top 50 prospect in Delaney Gibb. She committed to BYU earlier this week. She's the number 48 recruit according to ESPN and uh, follows one of the top recruiting classes in BYU's modern era from this past recruiting class and she gets off to a great start. Uh, Gibb did play a year here in Utah during her freshman season at Timview High School before returning to her native Canada. She's been up at Raymond, I believe, in Raymond, Alberta, Canada, uh, playing basketball, but she's a phenomenal, phenomenal player, uh, and she adds to an already impressive just recruiting haul for Amber Whiting. I know that women's basketball doesn't necessarily uh, press the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the, I'm, what I'm trying to say. It doesn't necessarily uh, hit all the buttons or have everybody engaged with it right all the time, but women's basketball at BYU, folks, is going to be some must-see television. They got some very, very talented prospects coming into that program, and a tip of the cap to Coach Whiting on, on getting that job done. All right, uh, final thing before we go on today's show is you look back at another game in BYU football history. Uh, we talked earlier this week about the first two games in the 2018 season, a bounce-back year for BYU in many ways after the debacle that was 2017. Well, BYU had lost to Cal the week before they made the trip out to face number 6 Wisconsin at Camp Randall Stadium. Now, I, I was sitting in our stu- our old studios where the KSL Sports Zone occupied on the 5th floor of what was then Vivint Arena, now the De- Delta Center in downtown Salt Lake City. I was doing the Saturday show, as I still do, and I was talking about the fact, what would it take for BYU to upset Wisconsin? It was a game that was going to kick off midday out there. 
right after we went off the air. And I said, BYU is going to have to have the ball bounce their way. They're going to have to use trick plays to great effect. And they're just simply going to have to absolutely own the line of scrimmage on defense if they want to win this game. Well, what did BYU do? That's exactly what they did. They went out and they won a game against the number six team in the country with Tanner Mangan completing 12 of 22 passes for a paltry 89 yards. Squally Canada was an absolute monster on the ground, though. 11 carries 118 yards and two touchdowns. Who can forget Aleva Hifo hooking up with Moroni Laulu Pututau on that trick play to get BYU that touchdown? Uh, and the crazy thing about this is they had, uh, speaking of Wisconsin, they had a phenomenal, phenomenal kicker, uh, Rafael Gaglione. And uh, he was a guy that was just absolutely nailed or had been nailed up to that point. He misses a big field goal that uh, would have potentially given the win to Wisconsin. And then BYU gets Skyler South and making a field goal that gives them the win, and they do it. And it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal win for BYU. Just top to bottom, it was one of those wins that made you think, holy smokes, maybe BYU's not as bad as we think they are. Could they turn this? Could they turn it around, go from 4-9 and nine the year before, and maybe go 9-4 and four once again, go from 2016 when they went 9-4 and four to 4-9, four and nine, then back up to 9-4, and four, even better than that. In 2018, well, we all know that 2018 was filled with all kinds of uh, of different storylines that we'll talk about as they progress. But this game, I'm not sure I've gone into many games in BYU football history thinking, man, how bad is this going to be for BYU? And then for them to win in upset fashion. Absolutely masterful performance. A great game plan put together by Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick on the offensive side of the football. Uh, BYU's defense uh, did about as well as they could have hoped for, holding Alex Hornerbrook to 190 yards passing and one uh, one interception. Excuse me, not a touchdown. One interception. Jonathan Taylor was uh, limited. did not get any touchdowns. He had 117 yards, but you just kind of did your thing. BYU just played mistake-free football. And while uh, Wisconsin was mistake prone, and BYU gets an absolutely, just frankly, stunning win to get to two and one on the year. I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget uh, the way this game went down. Was it Gaglione? Maybe he missed the field goal that would have uh, tied it for Wisconsin. Yeah, that's what it was. He he would have he could have tied it if I got that correctly. But the the thing about this was it was just a game that you look back on and say, okay. BYU needed something like that to get them uh, feeling like, you know what, we've got a chance here, and that's what they had to have. They had to have a game uh, where it was going to be uh, just BYU. Yeah, it was, so it was a missed field goal uh, with 319 to go. Uh, excuse me. No, they started the drive with three. I, I pulled this up. I pulled, I closed out of it and had to open it back up. So Alex Hornerbrook uh, had, uh, the, let's see, had a third and eight at the BYU 24. A.J. Taylor had a pass uh, incomplete from Alex Hornerbrook there. And then BYU calls the timeout. Rafael Gaglione comes out and misses a 42-yard field goal, which BYU was leading 24-21 to at the time. It would have pushed the game to overtime in theory. BYU then sees out the game from that point on and just gets out with a phenomenal, phenomenal win. So, uh, man, it's a crazy, crazy thing to look back on wins like that. And it's one of those games I wish I would have been at because I've been to other games at Camp Randall when BYU lost. But what a phenomenal day. And if you guys were at that game, you will never forget it, honestly. I, I don't think you'd have any uh, a problem re- recollecting that game. And like I said, I, there are very few games that I can remember going in with uh, just so much apathy in a way of BYU's chances going into a contest like that. And then to watch them pull off an upset of that magnitude absolutely masterful, masterful stuff. And it really, in some ways, jump-started a lot of stuff BYU was going to attempt to do the rest of the season. Now, injuries would play a role the rest of the way for BYU in 2018, and a quarterback change was coming up pretty quickly, but 
All the same, that's one thing that Tanner Mangan will always have in his back pocket is that win over Nebraska with that Hail Mary to Mitch Matthews. And then this one, uh, engineering and helping engineer an upset over Wisconsin. There's two big wins in the feather, uh, the feathers in the cap of Tanner Mangum from his BYU career. And uh, those are two very good ones to have in your back pocket. All right, there you go. Uh, we're, we are over time on today's show. But thanks again for all of your support of the podcast. As I said, I've got a ton more questions. About half the mailbag is still there for us. We'll get that on tomorrow's show. I'd love for you guys' feedback on what you make of my uh, preseason poll as well as players of the uh, I guess the preseason players uh, list that I, I, I sent into the Big 12 Conference earlier this week. Feed, give me feedback. I'd love nothing more than for you guys to have your feedback on that. Please subscribe, rate, review the show, like the show, subscribe to the show on YouTube, leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up, like uh, all that stuff. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Thank you for being every day with us here on the podcast. And hope you guys have a fantastic Thursday whenever and wherever you hear this and or watch it. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.